Welcome to the Prepped and Polished podcast, the podcast that empowers you to take control of your education, featuring weekly interviews with influencers in the world of education, as well as tutoring tips, lessons, and updates. And now, here's your host. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another tutoring tips episode of the Prepped and Polished podcast. This is Aaron of Prepped and Polished. Please be sure to check out our website, www.preppedandpolished.com. For tutoring in person or online, call us at 781-753-9951 or chat with us instantly on our website. You can also join the Prepped and Polished community on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Prepped and Polished. And if you have a question after the show, please feel free to ask us a question on the chat feature on our website. We love hearing from you. Now let's get right into episode number 253 today, how students taking the SAT with extra time accommodations can use their time wisely. Today we're going to be talking about the timing accommodations for the SAT for students who have extra time, either time and a half or double time. Now, if you listen to our previous podcast about the ACT, I will be covering a few of the similar topics between the ACT and SAT in terms of extra time accommodations, but I'm also going to be going through a few particulars um, specifically for the SAT that the ACT either doesn't have or the priority is not quite the same. So if you heard the first podcast, please feel free to listen to this one. There might be some similarities, but there will be plenty of differences so that way we can identify what exactly we can do on the SAT versus the ACT. For some overall strategies um, for the SAT, the big strategy uh, that we talk about a lot with students for the, who are taking the SAT is timing in breaks within the test. Now, standard time for any one of these sections is actually quite long compared to its counterpart, the ACT. Prime example is the reading section. Standard time is 65 minutes for the SAT versus 35 minutes for the ACT. So right off the bat, when we go from time, standard time of 65 minutes to time and a half, that's 97 and a half minutes rounded up 98 minutes that student will have. That's almost an hour and 40 minutes for a test for one section of the test, at least. So we wanna make sure timing breaks are strategically placed throughout the test. Most students who get their timing accommodations will have some instant, some indication of how their breaks are allotted, how many they're allotted, if they're allowed unlimited breaks, or if they are allowed certain breaks throughout the test. So understanding those timing breaks is gonna be really important, and also making sure that the student isn't partway through a section or partway through a question when a break is supposed to happen we don't want them to be uh, put off kilter because of that. In terms of the extra time, we also want to prioritize how we are reviewing and validating our answer choices. The SAT is notorious for having very complicated wording for both questions and answers. So we want to make sure we have enough time to look over those questions, double check that we understand what the question is asking us, then looking at our answers, understanding what the answers are, and then going back into, let's say for the you know, reading section, it's the reading passage, or uh, the writing language, it's the uh, sentence that we're talking about, or math, the question, and noting, okay, how can I prove this true? I now have extra time, which is phenomenal, and I need to make sure that that extra time is being allocated correctly towards validating our answer choices. In addition to uh, the breaks uh, that are scheduled throughout the uh, each section on the test, we also want to talk about what I call micro breaks or mini breaks um, within the section. Particularly when you're dealing with reading and writing language passages, you might need a little bit of a breather in between each each passage. So taking 30 seconds to a minute might be enough for a student to clear their mind, 
before going into the next section or the next passage. So these are important for students to just kind of wipe their mind clear of what they just read so that they can focus in on the new material that they're about to encounter. And then similar to what I talked about in our previous podcast about time allocation for questions, you know, there will be some prioritization given towards certain passages, certain question types that the student either feels most confident with, least confident with, or can anticipate very easily on the test. So a lot of these strategies can be applied to any one section of the test, but again, we want to make sure we can get our stamina up because it's a long test. And in most cases, if you have time and a half, there's going to be some kind of breakup either over one day or two days. And especially when we get into double time, those definitely have to be over two days. But we want to build up that stamina and our pacing throughout the entirety of the test. And when working with us, we're going to try and find that right combination of pacing for each section of the test and how much time we should be spending for questions based on the difficulty and also the student's ability. As we look into each section of the SAT, I'm going to be reiterating the importance here of how much time each student has and how we can be applying that time in any single instance. Now, the first section of the SAT is the reading section of the test. Now, as I said in the beginning, uh, the standard time for the reading section is 45 minutes. When we apply time and a half, that jumps up to 97 and a half minutes or 98 minutes or an hour and 38 minutes for the entirety of the test. Now, that is a hefty amount of time for any one student. Uh, standard time is 13 minutes per passage as there are five passages in the reading section. That number jumps up then to 17 and a half minutes per passage, which again is a good amount of time. And what we want to try and do here then is giving the student enough time to read the passage fully. Um, on the ACT uh, podcast that we had talked about for a time and a half, we do have more time to read the passage, but on the SAT, we have time to really fully read the passage. And that's going to be a priority for a lot of students because having that time to read and comprehend the passage is going to enable each student to then validate his or her reasoning for the answers. The SAT is notorious for having very wordy questions. And a lot of the questions on the SAT reading section require a lot of either validation in terms of question asking, which of the following answer choices provides the best evidence for the answer to the previous question, or knowing why am I choosing this? Where is it coming from? So a lot of times students will be going back into the passage to find that information that proves their answer correct. If the student has time to really dig into the passage, it's going to make that time going back to the passage just a double check versus having to fully reread the passage. So a lot of times when we work with students, we give that 17 and a half minutes, a bulk of that time will be given to reading the passage. Now, there are certain strategies and tricks we can have students work on, such as answering specific line reference questions while reading the text, but it's good for them to spend more time understanding the passage so that they don't have to go back to it while answering the questions. Because that's what ends up happening for a lot of students is they read the passage, go to the question, don't understand the question, come back to the passage, and then reread it. Granted, we have now plenty of time, we don't want to waste too much of that time going back through it. Now, that also helps us understand all the different passages that show up on the test. 
Um, for the reading, there's typically what we call two natural science passages, social science, uh, literary narrative, and a historical literature passage. So having more time, we might be able to allocate some of that time. Again, we say 17 and a half minutes per passage of each passage. Uh, we want to have the same, but let's say the historical literature passage is particularly challenging for the student. We might say, hey, take 20 minutes for the historical literature passage. And then one other passage has a little bit less time. But the hope is that even with quote-unquote less time, it is more time than the standard 13 minutes uh, per passage uh, that students have. They have standard time. So in terms of allocating more time for the reading, we want to try and identify those, those passages that are most challenging and then base that from that point off of what we need to give to those passages. Now, for the writing and language section, um, this section was standard uh, 35 minutes per passage. Now it jumps up to 52 and a half minutes or 53 minutes per passage. Now that is roughly about 13 minutes of passage. I suggest 13 minutes because it gets a little bit more complicated when you try and do quarter or, you know, uh, half or three quarter time frames on the writing and language section. Now, if you have four passages, 13 minutes per passage, 11 questions in the passage, 13 minutes just allows you a little bit more time to double check what your reasoning is or validating your answer choices based on either punctuation and or grammar rules. Now, I talked about this before in the ACT section, but on the SAT, there's a more um, amount of questions for rhetoric-based questions or evidence-based questions that require contextual evidence. So having that a little bit more time for the passage for those questions is really going to benefit the student a lot. Still, we want to look at the answer choices, double check to make sure we understand what are my answer choices saying, how can I break down those answer choices, how they're different from one another, such as, ah, the, uh, the punctuation is changing from this one. Let's mark those differences in punctuation. Or if we're dealing with verbs or pronoun agreement, how can we see the differences in each of the answer choices? A lot of times, too, we find questions that ask us about uh, which of the following answer choices provides the best conclusion to the passage. Well, this is a great instance to use that extra time to go back and either refresh our mind on the beginning paragraphs or refresh my mind on the last paragraph to reiterate what is this pa passage about and what answer choice would work best as a concluding point for the writing and language section. Now, between the reading and writing language section, you have about 150 minutes or just two and a half hours worth of testing between just the first two sections or the first half of the SAT. Now, typically, after the reading section, you have a break. Standard time, 65 minutes break, and then you go into the writing language section for 35 minutes. Now that we have 97 and a half minutes or 98 and then 52 and a half or 53 minutes back to back, there are more than likely going to be some break between the two. You might have even two breaks. The SAT tries to cap it at after an hour of testing or so because 65 minutes staring time, you have a break. This is again why we want to check with the timing accommodations given for the SAT if we are allowed unlimited breaks and where we can strategically place those breaks. So for example, usually what I recommend for students is after the third reading passage to take a break. And then after the first writing language section or after the 
finishing the reading section, you take another break. And then you take a break halfway through the writing language section. That allows the brain a little bit of time to clear itself before moving on to the next part or just refresh while they're in the same section. Now, if we are looking at this and saying we only are allowed two breaks, um, we might not have a choice when we take it in the reading section, aka they might cap it at 65 minutes break. If that is the case, we can strategically time that so while a student is taking uh, a third passage, that might be during the time where they have a uh, paired passage and they read the first passage, answer the questions about the first passage, and then there's a break. We'll try and figure out based on the student's ability, what works best for their time accommodations, but it is something to keep in mind of when those breaks occur in that first half of the test. Now for the second half of the test, the math side of the test, this is where our approach is going to differ quite a bit from the first half. Um, when we get into the math no calculator or without calculator section and the math calculator section, we are going to now be dealing with more um, flexible timing for questions as well as trying to work out what question types and what topics make the most sense for the student to focus in on. Now when we look at the math no calculator section, standard time is 25 minutes. So time and a half bumps us up to 37 and a half minutes or 38 minutes for 20 questions. Now unlike the reading the right language section, the math sections of the test are really individual questions. Sometimes there's two or three questions paired together. That usually happens on the calculator section. But now we're looking at each question on the test as its own individual, we'll say, passage. But there are two categories of questions. There are the multiple choice questions, which on the math no calculator section include 15 uh, multiple choice questions. And then there are student response questions, or as I call them, filling questions. And those are five on the no calculator section. So how I like to approach the time breakdown and how students should focus in on their time is based on those two sections. So if we look at 37 and a half minutes, you'll have roughly about 25 minutes for the multiple choice questions and then 13 minutes roughly for the filling questions. Now this is a, what I call a standard for the time and a half structure, but every student has their own unique approach. So we're gonna be taking those time frames and adjusting them as necessary. Some students might need less time for the multiple choice questions and require more time for the fill-ins or vice versa. So what we wanna try and do though, is guarantee yourself at least one minute, if not two, if we're looking at the fill-in questions, four questions. Uh, for each question on the test. Now, if I'm looking at certain questions, we wanna make sure that as we're reading the math questions, we are able to break down what the question is, literally what are they asking me to do, but also the topic of the question. Identify what we need to know, so then that way we can answer these questions. Uh, a lot of times with the, AC, uh, the SAT math section, the phrasing on it ends up being the most challenging part. It's not always the math. Math can always be challenging. Calculation errors can occur. But a lot of times it comes down to the student understanding what he or she is being asked to do. So I always tell students to underline what the question is asking. If you have this extra time, make note of what the question is asking. Then, if it's multiple choice, note the answer choices. Take a look at them. See if any of the answer choices can give you an idea or an inkling of where you're supposed to go with the information. Another thing to do, write down your work. You have the time, show your work. You don't wanna make simple errors in your mind because you're trying to do it all in your head. Sometimes writing it out 
can help organize your thoughts better and then also look at the answer choices to see which one of my answer choices is falling in step with what I'm doing here. Um, a lot of times too, when we're dealing with multiple choice, we can deal with the answer choices by testing out some of the answer choices. So for example, if I'm trying to solve for X, I might be able to look at my answer choice and say like, oh, well B says X is five. Well, let me try out five, see if it works. If it works, oh my God, I just found the answer. If it doesn't work, okay, I got rid of it. Now this can sometimes work for uh, you know many questions who, that I just gave, for example, of solving for an individual variable. But if they ever asked, uh, for example, what is the difference of X and Y and the answer is, and one of the answers is five, there could be a lot of numbers that when you subtract one number from the other, you get five. So that's where that strategy doesn't necessarily help. But if I can tell by doing the math that, oh, my answers are both X and Y are probably negative or positive, and let's say we're taking the sum of X and Y, I could eliminate the negative numbers or something similar to that. Um, now, in terms of the filling questions, we run into one of two schools of thought. The first school of thought is do the questions in order so the filling questions are at the end of the test. So we want to save enough time to work through the filling questions. Now, as I said at the beginning for the math no calculator section, 25 minutes for the multiple choice, roughly, and then roughly about 13 minutes for the filling questions. Well, what happens if, Aaron, for example, I get into the filling questions and I have eight minutes. I took more time on the multiple choice questions. Well, then your, your max amount of time that you can use is eight minutes for those filling questions. So maybe it should be a situation where you start with the filling questions to give yourself enough time to work through those first because you don't have an answer choice. You have to literally fill in the answer. You want to make sure you have enough time for those questions. And then you go to the multiple choice questions because at the end of the day, if you have to guess on a multiple choice question, I tell students this all the time, I'd rather have a one in four shot, 25% chance of getting a multiple choice question correct than on the filling question where if you were just filling in an integer value, you have a choice of any number between zero and 9,999 or one in 10,000 shot of getting it correct. I would go with the multiple choice every single time. Now, another thing about the filling questions is to remind the students, hey, when you're in there, no negative answers. Negative answers don't work. Fractions could work. Granted, you have four spaces, so the fraction mark uh, will have to take up one of those. So it can't be uh, 252 over 4. That won't work. Um, or something similar to that. So we want to keep in mind what we can fit in the fill-ins, but also realistically what makes most sense. For example, in the no calculator section, there's going to be reasonable, num uh, reasonable numbers that could be answer choices. So it's not going to be something uh, absolutely ridiculous in terms of calculations because it's the no calculator section. You can't do large-scale computations if you don't have a calculator. So think about that when you're going through it, but also note that there could be some fractions or decimals that could totally show up, such as, you know, one-sixth or, you know, two-ninths or something like that, where it's not a super easy number, but it's a fraction that isn't too complicated to solve for. In the math calculator section, you know, expecting challenging numbers and computations, that is kind of expected for those filling questions. 
for the math calculator section. Now, standard time is 55 minutes. Now we bump it up to 83 and a half minutes or 84 minutes. A similar approach here is going to go in for the calculator section as we are going into the no calculator section. In this instance, I recommend a base starting of you know, 64 minutes or so for the multiple choice questions, which enable us about 20 minutes for the filling questions. Now, the multiple choice questions are gonna total up 30. So 64 minutes is a nice way to have two minutes per question. And then 20 minutes for the filling questions, there's only eight filling questions. So it's a little bit more than two minutes per question. That allows us a little bit of flexibility if we need more time for the uh, multiple choice questions or if we need um, more time for the filling questions. Again, a lot of the same rules and approaches for the no calculator section are applicable to the calculator section. The only difference is how we use our calculator. So when we're using our calculator, what I recommend for students is to be familiar with how they utilize the calculator for questions so that they're not trying to figure out how to use the calculator come the day of the test. And when you're working with us at Prep and Polish, we're going to go over a lot of uh, strategies and shortcuts on a calculator and how best to utilize it so that we can maneuver our way through those questions that require the use of the calculator versus questions that look like they might need the calculator, but we can solve through either logical reasoning or simple rules of mathematical terms and topics. For the math section, I'll just say this one final thing. Both sections, the no calculator and calculator section, do have a order of increasing difficulty from question one onward. The only difference compared to the ACT, which is question one through 60, is increasing order of difficulty. Math no calculator is from questions one to 15, which is the multiple choice, and then it resets in terms of difficulty for 16 through 20, aka the filling questions. Same goes in for the calculator section, 1 through 30, increasing order of difficulty, 31 through 38, resets in order of difficulty. So in terms of question prioritization and time allocation, more time might be given for the beginning questions um, for each section so the student can at least answer those easier, quote-unquote, questions or more foundational questions first than those harder tier questions. Now, for the SAT, there's no longer an essay section, so we do not have to worry about time and a half for the essay. But what I am going to take the last few minutes here today is to talk about double time. Now, as I mentioned, double time for the ACT um, in the previous podcast is quite significant. Uh, double time for the uh, SAT is, is quite significant. Um, if we're looking at standard time for the reading section of 65 minutes, that jumps up to 130 minutes or two hours and 10 minutes for the reading. Uh, writing language goes from 35 now to 70, an hour and 10 minutes. Math no calculator, 25 to 50 minutes. And then math calculator from 55 minutes to 100 and, uh, 110 minutes. So that's going to be a lot of time for each section of the test. Now, most instances where students are given double time for the SAT, they are automatically going to have it over two days. Um, they need to. So in that case, we're gonna to wanna to work on the stamina approach for in one day dealing with 130 minutes of reading, uh, 70 minutes of writing language, breaks in between the two, and the next day, 50 minutes and 110 minutes for the math section of the test. So what will be important here is to understand how much time they're given, what they're supposed to cover each day, if it's over just two days, if it's over multiple days, um, all that will kind of play a factor into it. Now, if we find ourselves um, struggling with the double time, and when I say struggling, I mean having almost too much time, one thing that I can recommend for students is taking those micro breaks and extending them a little bit more so that way 
their student stamina is able to go the distance for each section of the test. Now, if we're looking at double time for any one section, uh, we want to kind of highlight what makes the most sense for that double time. So should it be for the reading? Um, if each passage is doubled in, uh, in terms of timing, that becomes 26 minutes for a passage. How much time is reading? How much time is answering the questions? Writing language, how much time is allocated for the, uh, for the punctuation, grammar, versus how much time is for the rhetoric? And then for the math sections, how much time is given to the multiple choice versus the fill-in? Those are going to be much more individually based per student to determine um, in order for them to have the right amount of time necessary for them. Now, as we've gone through the entirety of time and a half for each section of the test and this last little bit of double time, I want you all to know that if you have questions or further um, uh, inquiries about the SAT in terms of time and a half, in terms of double time, what works best for my student, please feel free to reach out to us at Prepped and Polish. We'd be happy to schedule a call or um, a meeting to figure out what works best for your student based on their time accommodations and what they struggle with or excel in for each section of the test. One other thing that I will make a note of here is that if we are dealing with time and a half or double time, we need to ensure that the SAT has documentation of that time and a half and or double time. So this might require a little bit of legwork on getting uh, up-to-date neuropsych reports, having the school that um, your student attends, uh, submitting the information to the college board, um, in advance of the test, well in advance of the test, usually I would recommend if a student is taking a test in the fall to try and submit those accommodations in the summer, uh, spring, uh, submit those accommodations in the fall, winter, and then if the student is taking, well, SAT either in June or in August to get that in before the end of the school year. Um, we just want to make sure that those time accommodations are in and we don't have to worry about getting them or running into an issue where a student takes a test without extended time, and then tries to apply for extended time after taking it. Um, but again, if you have any questions about this test-taking process with extended time, please, please, please feel free to reach out to us at Prepped and Polish. We'd be happy to answer any of your questions and try and find the best fit tutor and best fit structure for your student. Again, my name is Aaron from Prepped and Polish. Thank you so much for taking time today to listen to how we can make time accommodations work for your student for either time and a half or double time. This wraps up our show, episode number 253, how students taking the SAT with extra time accommodations can use their time wisely. Please be on the lookout for our next podcast episode, number 254. Thanks again for joining us on the Prepped and Polished podcast today. Now go out there and take control of your education. You've been listening to the Prepped and Polished podcast. For more information, check out preppedandpolished.com. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. Class dismissed.